This episode of the Memory Palace is brought to you by Progressive. Progressive helps you compare direct auto rates from a variety of companies, so you can find a great one, even if it's not with them. Quote today at Progressive.com to find a rate that works with your budget. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Support for the Memory Palace comes from Odoo. If you feel like you're wasting your time and money with your current business software, or just want to know what you could be missing, then you need to join the millions of other users who switch to Odoo. Odoo is the affordable all-in-one management software with a library of fully integrated business applications that help you get more done in less time for a fraction of the price. To learn more, visit odoo.com memory. That's O-D-O-O.com memory. Odoo. Modern management made simple. This is the Memory Palace. I'm Nate DeMeo. By the time he made it to Central Texas, Major Wayne had already kind of fallen in love with the camels. The idea had made sense to him. In theory, when he'd gotten the assignment, this was spring of 1855, the Army was taking on greater operational responsibility in these southwestern territories. And the camels were like horses or mules, but for the desert, right? They had those humps where they stored up water so they could just go and go. So why not give it a shot? And Major Henry Wayne was sent on a Navy supply ship to Egypt to get some camels. He was one of the Army's best horse traders. And so he haggled good deals in the Sooks of Alexandria and the stables of Smyrna and headed back home with 33 camels. He seemed to have a good eye for the animals. They turned out to be strong and healthy. And they made it across the Atlantic and down around Florida and across the Gulf to Texas in great shape. Trip took about three months. But Major Wayne had less of an eye for people. He'd brought six Egyptians and a couple of Turks along with him. So they could teach the army about the ways of camel training and riding and husbandry. But he didn't realize they didn't know anything about camel training and riding and husbandry. He just figured they were Arabs, and all Arabs must know about camels, and it turns out they don't, so Wayne was pretty much on his own trying to figure out how to feed them and train them, and how to stop every single horse and mule from freaking out and rearing and bolting in terror whenever they saw the camels. And he had to try to appease the horsemen and the mule skinners, who were freaking out that their horses and mules were freaking out and the cavalrymen and the teamsters who Wayne was supposed to be training and turning into a crack team of camel riders were just having none of it. They were just moaning and complaining the whole journey from the port at Indianola on the eastern shore, inland to Camp Verde, northwest of San Antonio. But Major Wayne had come to admire the animals in his months at sea, and now caravanning up and over the slow rolling hills, he found they really could just go and go. Three camels could carry on their backs as much as a team of six mules with a wagon. And they did it twice as fast. And camels could swim. The expedition would have to ford a river and the horses would flail. They were just panicking their way across. Some of them would get swept away. But the camels swam with a loping grace. Those faces of theirs, the pouting lips, and that kind of put upon perpetually aggrieved expression, bobbing above the rushing river. Wayne learned some Arabic and talked to the camels now and then in the language of their homeland, in case they were homesick. He named his favorite Sayed. 
And so when they arrived at the army outpost, Wayne had one job. He had to convert skeptical soldiers into true believers. He gathered them in the center of camp, and he called several of the mule drivers, obstinate, hostile pains in the neck, and called them to the front. And then he brought out a camel and gave it the signal to kneel. And then he loaded on a bale of hay, which was the standard burden for a decent mule. And then a second one. And the mule driver scoffed. And then another one. And they started to get ticked. Why had he called them out just to screw with them? And then another. And then they started to get mad on the camel's behalf. No animal could carry all that. But then it stood up and strolled off like it was nothing. The demonstration was enough to convince the commanding officer there at Camp Verde to send a ship eastward to purchase a thousand camels. And he sent Major Wayne westward to see how the animals would do in the variable climate of California as the first official mission of the United States Camel Corps, which was also its last mission. The Civil War broke out, and there were more pressing military concerns than dromedary experimentation. And Major Wayne threw in his lot with the Confederacy, and I don't know, so much for the charming camel guy. But the camels. The story of the U.S. Camel Corps ends in stories. There is the one about Philip Tedrow. He was half Greek and half Syrian. And he was in Turkey when Major Wayne took him to America. He was a Muslim convert who went by Haji Ali since his pilgrimage to Mecca some years before. And he knew nothing of camels before he became a camel driver for the American army in the American West, where there had previously been no camels until they came on a boat with Haji Ali. And he loved the animals. And when the war came and the Camel Corps dissolved, Haji Ali took most of the herd and headed to the Arizona Territory. And the details of his true story get lost out there in the desert, save for a few. The part when he tried to get the cavalrymen stationed there to revive the Corps and failed. The bit when he tried to sell miners in Colorado on the superiority of the camel over your classic pack mule. And the part when he headed south, flat broke and heartbroken, and set his camels free at a bend in the Gila River. He settled down, became a citizen, and something of a local hero in the little town of Quartzite, where he's buried beneath a stone pyramid topped with a copper camel. And his story became one of those stories, half legend and half remembered now, in tall tales and at least one pretty goofy folk song, in which Haji Ali appears as High Jolly, because that's what his name sounded like to people who had never met a Muslim before, and because they thought it was funny because they were racist. Another story is about another member of the Camel Corps. He was also from Turkey. And he took the rest of the camels and moved them south of the border, and then left them to roam and find their own way in this strange land. That man's son Plutarch grew up to be the president of Mexico, and there is a lot known about his life, if not those of the camels. For them, we just have stories of wagon trains juddering down some rutted path towards some valley floor, to see an otherworldly beast in the shimmering heat in a dry creek bed in the distance, and then became dumbfounded when the mirage never melted away. 
There are stories of the Red Ghost, stories that terrified frontier families, unbelievable tales of a cloven-hoofed monster that trampled and killed a woman out to fetch water in a willow grove, that attacked prospectors by a campfire and then disappeared into the night with a skeleton astride its back. And strangely, those stories turned out to be true, proved when a red-haired camel was shot and killed and there was indeed a skeleton on its back. Though it just lay there, tied to the saddle, was it a rider who collapsed there? Were the victim of an Apache raid, sent out as a corpse on camelback, as a warning to white settlers? No one could know for sure, and the legend grew. And there are stories, hard to hear though worth remembering, of camels driven or beaten to death, shot for sport, or sold to zoos or traveling tent shows were never given water because well-meaning people only knew these incredible creatures from storybooks, and they thought they stored water in their humps, which they don't, and figured if there was a hump still, there was water there still, and didn't understand when the camels died. But there were other camels, with their stories untold, left to Rome by Haji Ali, or by the father of Mexico's 40th president, to fend for themselves find their way in the American West, who wandered the desert and the high chaparral, who mated and gazed and drank from watering holes unknown and unmapped, left hoofprints in salt flats, in Monument Valley, swam the Rio Grande, lived out the rest of their lives, half a world away from where they began. This episode of The Memory Palace is written and produced by me, Nate DeMeo, with engineering assistance from Elizabeth Aubert. The show is a proud member of Radiotopia from PRX. We get ad-serving technology from Adzerk. My ad music is composed by the legendary J.D. Sampson. And I don't use that word lightly. We receive support from the Knight Foundation and from listeners just like you. If you'd like to help keep the lights on here at The Memory Palace, if you have been lucky enough to have money enter your life, do consider supporting my work. Just head over to radiotopia.fm and donate. Thank you as always for listening. You can follow me on Twitter or Facebook at The Memory Palace. And if you ever want to shoot me an email, I love email. It's nate at thememorypalace.us. Talk to you again. Radiotopia. Radiotopia.